Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Tuesday, February 9th, 2016, and joining me to talk about the unholy union between banks and consumer retailer is not only the irreplaceable Vincent Shen, but the articulate, the insightful, and the extremely well-read Miss Gabby LaPera. How's it going, Gabby? I want to be on the show all the time. I get compliments here. I try to build up my uh, my co-host. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm feeling that. pretty good about myself after doing IF for about a year with Sean now. Oh. I just compliment good. you every show. <laughs> And nobody compliments me. Anyway, um, so welcome to the CG Show, Gabby. Um, for our listeners that may not be aware, we're kind of doing a, I don't know, is it crossover week? What are we calling it? Uh, industry smash-up. Industry, industry smash-up. Refocused. Industry, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, Venn diagram face, week face. from <laughs> our math nerd friend, Christine Hargis. <laughs> Insert eye roll here. Um, so, Vince, do you think we need to buy Gabby lunch for coming on the show today? We should. We should do it anyway. She's That's... extremely articulate and well-read. Oh, wow. And insightful. You guys can have some of my soup. I made soup today. <laughs> oh, yeah. What were you talking about? You made... Was Mor- it... Moroccan tomato peanut soup. I don't know. It's delicious. <laughs> if, you're, if you're ever in Lincoln, Nebraska, go to the Grateful Bread, which may be called Freak Beat Vegetarian now because people were confused about it being the Grateful Bread being a bakery and not having anything to do with the band. They have delicious soup and mac and cheese there. Did they get sued? By the, the I don't think so. Yeah. This is like a bunch of hippies. They're real cool though, um, and their food is amazing. And their cheddar scones. Oh my gosh! Wow, she's Just thinking about them. For I'm anybody so that hasn't excited. figured it out, she went to grad school in the great state of Nebraska, and she uh, she talks. I don't know. You had a good experience, right? Yeah, Nebraska is nice. Vince and I were just talking about Nebraska. Nebraska nice is actually a thing. Oh, anyway, okay. <laughs> so Gabby. Uh, as you know, Vince and I usually chat about all things consumer goods and investing in companies that more or less face the end consumer. You, of course, usually share investing insights for the banking and finance sector. Uh, fortunately for our listeners today, most consumers happen to also have bank accounts and, for our first segment, use credit cards to pay for their Starbucks lattes and trips to the grocery store. Um, you've got some useful insights, as I understand it, regarding credit cards. So first, what do consumers need to know about this? Uh, what's going on in the credit card industry and all that good stuff? So generally what's going on in the credit card industry, I'm actually going to refer you back to a show that we did uh, earlier in January. I think it was the first show of the year where we talked about uh, electronic transactions. But um, more specifically for consumers, uh, there are some some kind of tricks to credit cards that you should you should know about. Um, so, because I just got pre-approved. Oh my god! And I feel really good about myself. I, oh my gosh, <laughs> those things are. I yeah, you get those mailers in the mail, and they're like, "Congratulations, you've been pre-approved for me, like me twenty five thousand dollars," and you're like, "You know, I only make like forty thousand dollars, but that that seems reasonable. I should totally have a twenty thousand dollar credit limit." Um, of course, that's obviously based on your credit score from before. Um, but credit card credit card debt is nothing to mess around with. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that the average um, interest rate on credit cards is fifteen point one eight percent for low? the last quarter. Um, that's the average, so that oh, means okay. there's some people with a lot higher. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, and we'll see too. Talking about some of these, um, you know, these retailer focused store brand cards, the interest rates are don't, don't even tell higher than that. They're even, they're even higher than the 15%, right? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, a lot of the times those are in the 20s and 30s. Um, and that's actually something that consumers should watch out for. Um, when you're offered something like a store credit card, a lot of the times they're like, you get 30% off on your first 
big shopping thing, and sometimes we'll send you points. But um, a lot of people carry credit card debt, and with the uh, interest rates being as high as they are on those cards, it's not the best idea. Even every time I check out on Amazon.com, which is surprisingly frequent nowadays, because uh, anyway, uh, they pitched me that Amazon card, and yep. they're like, you get $30 off this purchase. I'm like, I take out another credit card just for $30 off? Like, what's the... Anyway. Uh, so, backing it up a little bit, uh, Gabby, what are the average number of credit cards that uh, the average American has outstanding? So, the average number of active credit cards a consumer has for bank cards, which is like the ones that are branded uh, Visa, MasterCard, those guys, um, that's 2.24 per person. And for store cards, which are like the Target Red card or like that Amazon card, um, it's 1.55 per person. Unbelievable. Okay, so Vince, you were doing some research before we came in on the massive amounts of money that stores make off these credit cards. Um, I get pitched a card every stinking time I leave the house, it seems. Why are they doing this? Um, all right, so I, I kind of look at it like this. So in the past, you had uh, other ways of doing loyalty programs, where it was like points or things like that. And now, with Amazon, for example, you have Prime, and we—they've already, uh, you know, espoused the benefits that they've seen from that in terms of uh, Prime members spending more money, things along those lines. Well, I think in the idea, you know, the ultimate idea behind some of these cards is to build that loyalty, where it's like you get perks, be it points or a discount per purchase. People who have these store brand cards will go to whatever retail they have it with and shop more often. But the, and the thing is, uh, a lot of these bigger retails, uh, retailers, the ones I want to talk about, like Target and Macy's, make quite a bit of money from this. So even though both of these companies have, have agreements with actual banks, like Citibank, TD Bank, uh, to manage and they actually own these accounts, they have, uh, the retailers themselves actually have to uh, help with things like uh, promoting and other more administrative stuff, but they get tons of money. So Macy's in 2014, for example, generated over $750 million in reduction to their SG&A, which is how they record it uh, in their financial statements, from the, oh my these like, affiliate fees that they receive. And the same thing with Target, where they have been able to enjoy like really good penetration with their red card. So I think it's like some 20% of their purchases. They were almost violent at one point promoting that thing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, every single time you go to the checkout line, if you don't have bad. one already, they will mention it to you. And again, the same situation for them. They're making hundreds of millions of dollars in these agreements, and they're not even managing uh, you know, the main accounts under these cards. So it's very profitable for them. It has the, the, the side effect of you know the building that brand loyalty, having shoppers coming back because they get those discounts or whatever, and it's very powerful. Yep. So Gabby, um, like I actually knew a guy who he was like irrationally loyal to General Motors. He like, oh yeah, I got this GM credit card, and <laughs> they're giving me points towards buying a new new truck. I'm like, I, I went to college with them anyway. Um, it's literally endless. Like Macy's only gives you coupons if you use the credit card. Like it's just nuts. Um, so what's going on in the private label credit card industry today? Who issues them? Who's actually putting up the money? Is this a good business for the financial institutions still? Because obviously so, it's great for the retailers. Right. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit. For our listeners, uh, private label credit cards are credit cards that are branded as whatever store they're from. So it would be like like the Amazon the card. card or, yeah. The Macy's card. Um, so it's not affiliated with like a Visa or a MasterCard. And typically with these cards, um, there there's like a couple different types, but the one... 
that I think you're talking about is the retail card, which is they can really only use it with that right. merchant. Right. Um, they can't use it anywhere else. They do have some that are called dual cards, which you can use at a merchant and then um, the specific merchant that it's been issued for and then other places, and it works as a regular credit card there. But um, the main provider of these private label credit cards is a company called Synchrony Financial, which, funny you mentioned GM, because Synchrony Financial got spun off of GE. Oh, wow. Lots of generals. Yep. Yeah. What? Uh, so, do they have like a monopoly? Like, do I want to go buy this stock? Um, I'm not going to tell you to go buy it. Okay. Because I can't give you direct financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> You want to go they, to the co- water cooler later and tell me? Like. They, they were very clear about that when I when I got onboarded. Eric Stadnick, our lawyer, was like, "Don't, don't, just don't." Yeah. I think that was the, the whole talk was just him going to don't, please. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they got spun off of GE. They're they're doing okay. Um, the retail cards, the dual cards, that's a big part of their business. Um, and they have deals with people like Chevron, Amazon, like really really big names. Um, I don't know really how long it's gonna be good. Be good. Yeah. Well, um, do you think, it seems like. Go ahead. Oh, I think that it's interesting too because you know you have some people kind of changing the model a little bit with you know Starbucks for example. You know, I think I believe I'm not a part of their you know their payment app, but that's all prepaid, right? Yeah. yeah. So I understand that it's kind of different, smaller size purchases. You're not buying like uh, an appliance, for example, through this through this kind of system. But for some of these retailers, maybe they kind of convert to this system where it's much more interactive, mobile-based. Yeah. Um, and then one of the one of the benefits of that of each um, retailer having their own like method is that they get a lot more data on people. Yes. Um, because the, I'm sure like the bank partners with them and provides them with some data, but like having their own set of data on those people that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they've also done studies showing that those loyalty programs that are easy to access on your phone are also a major benefit for those retailers. Mm-hmm. Probably just in terms of the adoption rate as well. Exactly. That's actually what um, like Walmart and um, their little consortium of friends with their mobile app that's supposed to compete with um, Apple Pay are trying to do. Um, but that's not quite rolled out yet. So we'll see how that ends up for them. Yeah, cool. Well, before we move on to talking about what's going on in housing, I wanted to point our listeners to focus.fool.com, where they can, you can take advantage of a discount on the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter. This works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. Uh, so, Gabby, yep. Vince and I have been anxious to talk to you about what's going on in housing and mortgage lending. Um, this is obviously a huge part of the economy and affects an even bigger portion of the economy because once you buy a house, you need, oh, I don't know, a new TV, furniture, maybe even a dog. Um, So is housing back since the Great Recession? How hard is it to get a mortgage? I saw that rocket mortgage thing during the Super Bowl. I think Uh, everyone did. Yeah. Um, Boy, they really struck a populist tone with that. They're like, we can make America better. (laughs) um, I was talking to someone else in the office the other day, and they were like, I, I thought that it was a commercial for the big short. Like, that's what I thought it was yeah. for. Uh- <laughs> it was a little bit concerning how nonchalant they made the idea of, I'm going to just click this button on my smartphone oh my go- and yeah. make the- and get a mortgage. Uh, it-, it-, it was a little bit concerning how they make it seem like this trivial matter when it's not at all. A $400,000 purchase should not be trivial. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, Gabby, can I still buy a mortgage-backed security if I want? Because I really want to. You, you just want like one mortgage-backed security? Like, I just a, want the whole I don't thing. even know how you would go about doing that. Um, 
But yeah, MREITs are always an option. Yeah. MREITs are mortgage REITs, um, yeah. real estate investment trusts. I don't know if you guys ever talk about this, so I figure I'm just going to spell out no, every, go nuts. what all the acronyms are. No, um, I think that makes sense. We, we do not lot. delve into that realm very often. <laughs> um, but no, so the housing market in general right now, it, it hasn't reached uh, pre-recession levels. I think back then, uh, home ownership rate was around 69% like in 2005. It's in the low 60s now, isn't it? It's in the low 60s. Yeah. Um, and I think it, like the lowest it ever got was like in the 50s. But um, it, it has gone down from last quarter. Um, the one thing that we are seeing a lot more of, though, is renting. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you said the three millennials sitting at a table doing a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true, especially amongst millennials. That's that's the group that you're seeing the most uh, doing the most renting because I mean down payments are expensive on houses. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The rule of thumb with home ownership is you shouldn't uh, buy a home unless you're planning on staying in an area for five to six years. I don't know about you, but since leaving college, I moved one, two, three, four. Five, six times? Yeah. (laughs) It's a minimum of five years. What a lot of people don't think about when buying a home is all the closing costs involved. So, in order for that to average out, you need to stay. That's like five, ten grand. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, you need to stay for five years to order in order to recoup your losses when you sell your house again, um, assuming that your house goes up in value. (laughs) Which is a dubious assumption. (laughs) So, you guys, you know, you guys mentioned millennials, obviously, younger people, I can understand, starting the careers, uh, building out. Uh, you know their their net worth and their savings in order to handle some of these down payments is difficult. You know, twenty percent even on a two hundred thousand dollar home. I think that the median or the average for the U.S. is like one fifty. It's still a pretty decent chunk of change. But you were sent me an interesting uh, story that I read for the the Bay Area, Gabby, yeah. about some of these no. Uh, I don't remember what they called it. Uh, it was very like it's like zero down home loans. Oh, that's yeah, right. Exactly. Well, then it was uh, variable interest rate too. Oh, what yeah. were you saying? Like <laughs> I was like, why are we doing this again? It's been seven years. Yeah. So this is uh, the San Francisco Credit Union. Um, they a lot of a lot of the home the homes in San Francisco are very expensive. I think it was like average a million dollars. An average, of, and area. so to get a down payment for that for the twenty percent down payment, that's two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, and even for people who are working in the tech industry there, that's very very expensive. Sure. Um, so there's this credit union saying, um, we'll let you get a home loan for zero percent down, and they're saying like, don't worry, like our standards are super stringent. But you look at it, and it's a variable rate, which is not great. So you really want a fixed interest rate if you're getting a mortgage. A 30-year fixed interest rate, that's probably the lowest it's going to get. Well, it's even worse because the Federal Reserve just increased interest rates for the first time in a while. Right. And supposedly, they're going to keep going. So Yeah. I don't think they're going to like super-duper accelerate right. that, though. And interest rates are like at a historical low. They're so, so low right now. It's it's still almost like negligible. Yeah. <laughs> um, But... That doesn't mean like in like thirty years when you're still paying off this house, like maybe interest rates are a lot higher and suddenly you're paying a lot more in interest a lot later. Um, also, like Vince was saying, it does seem generally on its face like a bad idea. Like if you can't even come up with a little bit for the down payment, what what are you doing buying a house? You know, it's um, bad. And I think I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that those must come with PMI, which is a private mortgage insurance. Yeah. Um, which is basically what you have to pay on a mortgage on top of a mortgage. Um, unless you put, what, 20% down? Unless you it? put 20% yeah. down. That's exactly right. Who's? Because uh, I remember a couple of primary mortgage insurers. This was, I mean, this is back in my first looking at the stock market days, but a couple of primary mortgages, in fact, all of them, like went under 
there was actually PMI Group, I think, that was 2008. I'm pretty sure they're gone. I mean, what's going on in that industry right now? Honestly, I have no idea. We, like the people in my bureau, the financials bureau, sat down yesterday and tried to find a PMI provider. And it is incredibly difficult um, to find one. It, It looks like the banks are the ones providing it. And they're just charging the money and self-insuring or something. Yes. Yeah, PMI Group is on. It's it's bankrupt. Yeah, they're gone. Uh, <laughs> Which is, oh man, the 2008 recession, just a little road bump for them. Well, no. and I know a new company got formed, and this is like me reaching in the cobweb of my mind, but I know that George Soros like helped create one, and they're going to have an IPO. And I just found Radian Group. They are finally starting to make a little bit of money, but they were... I mean, yeah, they were almost bankrupt in 2011. Anyway, <laughs> I think they just did a reverse stock split, too. Um, I would think that, that industry would be super profitable now, though, because everybody's like, oh, wow, the, the whole industry just crashed. We can actually charge money for the insurance now or something. But, yeah, and I mean, uh, property values are going up in certain areas of the country. Um, so, eh. And the, the thing with PMI is if you can avoid PMI, that is really ideal because, one, you're paying extra money. Two, they're super hard to cancel. Like you go online and you look for how to cancel PMI, um, game over. And it's like people are just like complaining. There's like I, I have no way of canceling this. I've tried for like a couple years now. Um, so it's if you can't avoid it, I would highly recommend it. Putting the money down. So for all of our consumer goods investing listeners who obviously you know might own shares in a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something. Bottom line is, so it sounds like housing's not gangbusters, but it's not bad either. Yeah, no, it's chugging along. I mean, technically it went down last quarter, but like... It's a quarter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Cool. All mm-hmm. right. Well, that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Gabby LaPera and Vincent Shen, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!